Welcome back to another episode of Yaller Rocks. I'm Tiffany, the host here, and the person who's not so much behind the scenes anymore at the Belly Dance Bundle. Today's guest, Jasenia, was invited to the bundle because of you. I tell the story in the episode, so you're going to want to stick around to see how you influenced me reaching out. Every year, I hear from you all about so many dancers that you want to see in future bundles, and we definitely take the time to go through those suggestions. And it was an easy pick with Jasenia since we already knew each other. Jasenia will be creating a class for the 2021 bundle on Bellity progressions called In My Mother's Kitchen, an approach to understanding the Bellity progression. But we cover so much more than that in this episode. Let the fun begin. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm Tiffany, your host. You're used to me. But the person I have with me today, who you don't know yet, is Jasenia, and she's amazing. I cannot wait to dive into this with her. She is actually local to me in Florida. So Jasenia, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm ready. Uh, get ready for the giggles, guys, because we literally have had a hard time starting this episode because we were too busy laughing. So I have a feeling it's going to be one of those one of those episodes where we're just having fun the whole time. Those are the best kind, right? Yeah. Yes, I agree. So, <laughs> it's already starting, guys. It's I'm right. sorry. I hope my laugh's not too obnoxious. It's going to happen. No, no, it's not obnoxious at all. This is, this is my favorite kind. So Jasenia, tell us about, give us the backstory, right? How did you get into dancing? How did dance play a part in your household growing up? Cause I know that that is part of the story a little bit here. How did you get into doing it professionally? Give us mm-hmm. the story of Jasenia. So I've been dancing my, my entire life in general. My mom started me off really, really young with Puerto Rican folkloric dancing, along with like salsa, merengue, machata, you know, all those dances of Latin community, Afro-Latin community. And when I was around eight years old, she started like showing me the little bit of belly dancing that she knew. And it will start just like, she would be teaching me, I wouldn't even know I'm, I'm being taught. So be simple, like just playing music in the house. And as she's doing something, she'll start singing with it or dancing with it. She'd be like, to me, my sister, come here, let me show you something. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll just be wherever we're at, the living room, the kitchen, her bedroom. And then she'll show us the steps. And me and my sister will always be like, oh, God, I want to do this right now. We're trying to play a game, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep, that's big kid energy right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then she'll start showing us and she'll be like, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it again you're doing it wrong, do it again, you know? So that's what we'll be doing. So she would be writing drills with us without you of us even knowing that this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) But as I got older, I kept with dance. My sister started doing her own like little, like, not little, it's kind of mean, (laughs) her surfer girl thing. (laughs) You've got it, you you know, if this is a sister thing, I'm an only child. (laughs) So like, I don't, I don't get to do things like that. I have to live vicariously through other people. Yeah. So she went off and did that, but I, I stuck with dance and um, it was a really good bonding experience with my mom and I, because we really connected in that way. And it created a space since I learned in the house, I didn't have that structure of 
in a studio class setting where you have to be exactly like the instructor. Mm-hmm. So it gave me the opportunity to really dive into and experiment who I am as a dancer specifically. And once my mom taught me all she could, <laughs> and she was like, I'm at, I'm at a stuff to show you. Then I went off and took it into my own hands to expand on what I already knew. And was this something that your mom did? Like, was this just something she knew how to do? Had she taken classes? Was it part of her heritage? Like where, where did her knowledge come from that she was passing down to you? So she was actually in her early, early twenties. She was a part of a, the Puerto Rican theater company, national Puerto Rican theater company. And she used to travel around doing like the different dances of Puerto Rico. She also did a little bit of like flamenco and like a little bit touched on Arab dances and North African dances, but never really dived into it in that way. Mm-hmm. But she never performed those professionally, but she performed Latin dances like Bomba y Plena and all those dances professionally in her early 20s. How fantastic to have that as a resource just growing up. Because like you said, right, you don't realize you're being taught something. It's just yeah. what happens in your house. You know, music's on in the kitchen and everybody dances. Like that's what we do with, yeah. with my daughter now. We just put mm-hmm. on music and dance around and you should ever since the last Hofla we had here uh in town she my daughter actually sat with Jasenia at the show and ever since then you should see the moves she's been busting out she's copying all of the dancers at the show (laughs) it's so cute but yeah it's like you know just growing up in a in a space where dancing is encouraged and and you're again absolutely right in that when you don't learn dance necessarily in a studio setting you have so much more space to explore your style and and do all of that before you go into the studio setting so you already kind of have this sense of self going into the studio and learning from other teachers instead of having to find your sense of self after the fact Mm -hmm. after you've kind of been trained to dance like other people like I've never actually thought of it in that way but it makes total sense yeah, it was definitely, and when I started going, that's why when I started taking like actual classes from instructors later in my life, I was very specific as to what classes I was taking mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be with someone who's going to be like my way or no way. Yeah, I'm not into that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not into that either. Mostly because your way is not necessarily the right way. Sometimes your way is just who you are and how you express something. And I always like to tell because when I do classes, I like to set it up kind of a structured way of what how I was taught, but a little bit more structured, mm-hmm. more focused on like, this is the technique, this is what we're learning, but I want you to put you in that. Mm-hmm. So the way I describe it is that we have like, we have emotions and everyone can be like sad, happy, angry, whatever. But the way we express that is different. Mm-hmm. Like, how I express my happiness is different than how someone else will express their happiness. And those are the things that are really going to define you as a dancer separately from everyone else. Like be authentic to how you express your emotions. That's an excellent way to look at it. And again, is something I feel like in general, we don't get in the, in the dance teaching culture, because we're not, we're teaching people to be happy, but it's this way. You know, mm-hmm. s- always be right. smiling when you're dancing. Like, why? Like, smile more. Smile. Don't look at the floor. Smile. <laughs> right? You always get yeah. that layer added in. Yeah. But it's like 
smiling isn't the only way that happiness can be portrayed in a dance mm -hmm. as well. So that plays in here too. So then, you know, you grow up dancing, you go off, you start taking classes with other people. So how then do you transition into becoming a professional dancer? Because I know that that is something that you do. So I didn't actually start pursuing professional dance until maybe my last two years of college. So like I started dancing on stage a little bit when I was 16, things like that. My mom was like, was like kind of like a drill sergeant in that way. She's like, if you're not good, you're not going out there because you're representing me and you can't make <laughs> me look bad. <laughs> so like, that's how my mom was. So when like it was my um, last two years of college, it was the, actually Vandaloo was the first restaurant I danced at professionally. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's why I'm so loyal to them. Uh, they gave me my shot. <laughs> and um, they, uh, one of the owners saw me performing at like a Latin event. And he was like, you have to dance at my restaurant. You have to. And I was like, well, okay, I'll do it. I do the thing. And then uh, a little bit after that, Rafaela invited me to compete at River City Rocks. It was my first competition ever. And I was like, I had no money. I was over here um, struggling art student, <laughs> you know? As we do. And yeah, so like, I was like, yeah, I really wanna do this. So like a, a family members got together and gathered some money for me to um, do the competition, like pay for the competition, pay to dance to the festival, pay the competition fee. And then also get some fabric to make a costume because at that time I couldn't even like afford like a super fancy um, mm -hmm. belly dance costume, like a nice, a good enough one for a competition. Like I had, yeah. I had one that could stay on its own in the restaurant, like it was nice. But I was like, this isn't like pro professional category competition <laughs> costume. You put, you, know? you put me on stage and you're gonna see all the busted uh, <laughs> like beads hanging off yeah. with the stage lights, right? Yeah. So I actually made the costume and uh, yeah, that was my first competition. I got second place and that just like lit a fire underneath me because I'm also very, very competitive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you'll never see me in second ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how exactly. So I, I took all the feedback that the judges gave me and I know you didn't ask about competitions, but I just gonna like touch on that a little bit. When you, cause I have been doing like competitive sports and mm -hmm. art and critique. Like I'm really used to getting feedback in that kind of way that seems yeah. tough and harsh, but it's just like only for my betterment. What you, when you get feedback like that, you gotta take the, cause everyone says something different. Some people like mm -hmm. what you did, some people didn't, but what are the common things that they're all saying that you need yes. to work on, right? So I found like, what's the common things which I also knew I needed to work on, like deep down, I was like, oh yeah, you're kind of right. Uh -huh. uh, and I just like worked on that, like for an entire year. And then the following year I came back and got first. And then I went to another competition and got first. And then I went another one and got first. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's, it's working so hard. Like that's what, yeah, you just got like a lot, a lot of practice went into that. Like my dad was watching me in like the living room was like doing my little finger symbol things like this I need to work on my finger symbols so I'm gonna sorry cover your ears <laughs> that's um so we run like a non-competition competition 
here uh-huh. at the belly dance bundle, it's called struggle to strength. Um, uh-huh. and it's based entirely on the, the feedback idea. So nobody's competing against each other. They're competing against yourself. So like you put a video right. in, you get feedback and then you submit a second video, like six to eight weeks later, and you get mm-hmm. feedback on, you know, what have you worked on and improved over that eight weeks? Because mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Like if you are going to do this, like if you're going to go to a competition and get that feedback, like you want to work on it, right? That's what's mm-hmm. going to catapult you up. And what I love is that it's clearly working because I'm going to tell everybody, so you know the story, but I'm going to tell everybody why, one of the reasons I invited you into this year's bundle actually happened last year during our live party. So at the end of the 21 days of belly dance, um, we have a live party and we stream, we live stream for like 11 hours and different contributors come on and teach classes and have Q and A's. We do watch parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And last year, uh, Sabri Tekbalek was one of our uh, contributors and she came on and we did like a belly watch party where she was showing just some clips from her, some of her favorite belly performances that she's put into this playlist. And she pulls up the playlist and one of the videos is you. <laughs> and I was like, it's like, I was like, holy crap, that's Jasenia. And I was like, I, I know her. She dances here in town. Like, what are the odds? Like, what are the, like, yeah. the world is so small. And so then I'm like, whoa, amazing. And then I have people in the comments, like of the live party that's going and they're all like, oh, I love Jasenia. I like, I absolutely adore her. I love her. And I'm like, I just like, I know you as the other dancer at Mandaloon, you know, (laughs) like, and here you are like all over. So like you taking this feedback and working on it and putting the stuff out there, like you're doing hella good and people are noticing it and it's amazing. And I, I love to see that. And so when this year came around, I was like, Jasenia, let's go. (laughs) I want you in and I want you to teach some melody. Yes. And here we are. Yeah. So yeah. let's dive into that just a little bit here on the tail mm-hmm. of the podcast. Like what, for people who are listening, describe ability, ability progression. What is it? Why is this something that people really need to kind of work into their practice schedules and, and, and to study and to know more about? So uh, ability um, is like common folklore dancing in I want to say Egypt, North African, but they, they do different variations throughout all the Minot regions of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a call and response. Originally, it would be like a percussionist and then like a vocalist, but then outside instruments from other areas get introduced. So we have the accordion, sometimes saxophone, um, different instruments that are were really introduced. And what I find so important about it is that it has a, for one, it has a really good base of common rhythms that you can find in a lot of different music. Also, when you are listening to the melody and you're executing it in a way, you can, it really forces you to slow down and simplify your movement. Um, you can't really be sporadic, many spins, many everything with the melody, kind of like I don't want to say it's like stationary because there's not, you have movement, but you're not taking a lot of big movement. And a lot of the focus is in your hips, in your lower abdomen, your legs, your back. You don't even do too much chest movement. It's very grounded. It's very heavy, which I find beautiful. And I find it very present 
like I think it's a very present dance because mm. if you're doing it in the correct way you're usually doing it improvisationally and you have to be very present in that mo- mo- uh, moment to feel the music hear it but but really combine be one with it in that kind of way where you're not even thinking about what's coming next or anything like that it's just like a harmonious moment happening with mm-hmm. you and the music this, yeah. uh, we actually in one of the other podcasts we've recorded for this season I was talking to Alia and we mentioned how you have to learn all the things you know you learn about the mm-hmm. music you learn the progression you learn the thing and then you turn your brain off when you yeah. actually go to dance because you have to be in the moment so you have to your mm-hmm. brain is like switched off and you're just there with the music mm-hmm. ability progression ability dancing is it's honestly my favorite like it's always been my top choice of doing every anything which I've been trying to like <laughs> do it less because I don't want to be just like that's my I'm not a one-trick pony you know but it, it, <laughs> is, my, it is my and yet favorite. here I am asking you to yeah. teach it in the bundle yeah. <laughs> but I love it and I don't mind to because I, I love it so much it's it's like when I and I, t- I talked about this a little bit in the description of the workshop it's such a homey feeling when I when I dance melody, I think about the smell of food in my kitchen. I think about like my family and people coming over and us playing instruments in the living room. And it just like, that's how it feels to me. It feels like home. And I know a lot of people of other cultures never really had that experience in that kind of way. Just like people constantly coming over and the smell of food filling up the house and instruments playing and just that, that kind of environment, that energy. So I'm really wanting to put something together that can get people to have that thought in their head of that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always say it's so, so, so important to like get yourself out, like out and actually being involved in the community, any, any community of people of color, all of them really, mm-hmm. because there's in our cultures, there's such a sense of community and yes. connection, family, friends, friends, family, all of that, all the, all the time. The houses are always filled with joy and you never feel, you'll never feel alone. And that's how ability feels to me. It feels safe. Like I feel safety with it. That's awesome that like, we were talking about how you expressing your emotions through dance, right? Mm-hmm. Like it really, this dance, it represents a lot. Mm-hmm. here and I can see how this ties in and how you're expressing yourself through this medium it's just like it's it's beautiful really like the way that you're describing it I actually was thinking that when I read the description for your workshop that you sent in I was mm-hmm. like this is very like this is a very good description of of mm-hmm. something and it's described in a way I don't usually hear it described because people don't take it from that perspective right we mm-hmm. usually talk about it we break down the pieces of ability progression and we, we analyze, we take the Western brain and we like analyze it, but coming at it from a community standpoint, it is just, you know, the local dance. It is the, the down home, what we're doing and Mm -hmm. bringing that to your performance, I think probably adds a lot to it. Yeah. Um, So one thing that you said in that description which I really loved. And I want to dive a little bit more into this. Um, and I'm reading your description here. Um, in this workshop, Jasenia will 
show approaches to melodic and accent transitions that are constantly weaving in and out seamlessly and using pauses to create space that can draw the viewer in. So I really love this. Can you expand on like, why is a melody progression, especially such a great place for these transitions, for these pauses to kind of really shine and live? Um, and then how can people take those lessons here and move them even outside of a melody space? So what that's one of my favorite things about the melody is that once you're past the call and response part, the melody and the percussion are usually going a lot of the time at the same time. And you can pick and choose constantly what areas you want to um, spotlight mm -hmm. in the music. And there's even things you can do that kind of touch somehow the melody and the percussion at the same time. Like somehow it just works. You're hitting both at the same time. Like whatever you're doing just works for both sides. And a lot of the time when I see some dancers, I see them focusing on one thing. They either just focus on the percussion only mm -hmm. or they focus on the melody only. Mm -hmm. And the music is so... I, I want to say I want to say yeah complex in the way of like you have a lot going on there's percussion there's wind there's this there's that like outside of melody like all music music of Minot um, that is like doing a disservice if you're just picking one section of it and mm -hmm. only focusing on that us our role as a dancer we should be telling not only a story and entertaining but we also should be physical representations of that music like if the music was gonna come out of the air become a human being what would it look like what would it be doing mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we should be doing and the music piece shouldn't just be one thing uh when we're talking about creating space uh when you the melody has moments where it's really drawing out like I don't sound like an instrument, but I'm going to make a noise right now. <laughs> like it's going like, like, like it drags out. Like that's a, such a beautiful opportunity to just like stop and carry a movement all the way through with that. Mm -hmm. Or even when like the music gets quiet, you don't have to just stop completely, but you can still carry the movement, when you have like those pauses in the music or even when it is kind of going, there's like these areas where you can just stop doing and just take that moment to soak it in. Mm -hmm. I find that there's a lot of power when a dancer just stops dancing for like a second, but like holds herself in that place with a presence and is almost like you can feel the energy radiating off of her mm -hmm. and like the face of when she's acknowledging the audience so the, I get this idea of like almost like voyeurism in a way yeah it's like we're watching this person do their performance and when that person stops and acknowledges like you are watching me I acknowledge you watching me I like, and there's like this connection for that brief moment of her just or him, her, they, pausing and just embracing like this moment that's happening is intimate between you and me. 
and then her going back carrying on like breaking that what's that word called in theater the fourth wall the fourth wall yeah and then going back and continue to perform as if like we just disappeared again Mm -hmm. and I think that's powerful it kind of it includes the audience without including them yeah and I think on the stage and you you especially see this inability progression Mm -hmm. because because there are so many different types of of music like within one progression you have the moments that Mm -hmm. are internal you have the moments that are for the audience you have you Mm -hmm. kind of move between these spaces so it's a great place to to practice these skills yep and then like take them back into something that maybe you are just maybe you are just doing uh a drum solo or you are just doing a toxim for something else but you yeah. can take the skills from ability progression and translate them back out to everything mm-hmm. else that you might be doing in your dance life as well this can be easily translated to other like maybe more like tr- like um classical oriental style or yeah. even sometimes you can bring it into other folkloric styles as well mm-hmm when you have something that you've been practicing of creating those pauses, those spaces, what I like about melody so much is what I touched on is that it has so many different other rhythms in it. Cause there's no, technically there's no such thing as like a melody rhythm, right? Melody mm-hmm. is of many different folkloric rhythms as a base, but there's one that they usually refer to the most like as melody, but it's actually, it has a different name. It's just used a lot in melody. Mm-hmm. And those rhythms are in so many other music out there and you can take these skills that you were using in the melody to create this space create this earthiness and when you bring in those like folkloric earthy elements into more classical or other styles of a belly dance I don't know I don't like the word belly dance but you know what I mean like other styles of that uh, it becomes a lot more I don't want to say authentic because I have like a a, a, th- a thing about that as not being Middle Eastern. I like I don't like to call myself as authentic because there's yeah. nothing technically I can never be authentic. But if I want to get really technical about it, but like this, hmm, I'm trying to find like the right word. Like maybe I should just describe it. <laughs> So like <laughs> when you're taking like these earthy folkloric elements into like classical and other genres within belly dance, you have this ability to create space in the music, create space within your dance and create space for the audience to breathe because there is, you, you see it sometimes a lot of competition videos with the Mejon say and stuff like that. People are like, go, 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 go. They're like spinning, 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 like doing all these things. And like, bam, 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 bam. And like, as an audience member, just feel like you're constantly punched all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, whoa, whoa, again, whoa. You know, like, and if you take these like ideas of like moving in and out of melody, percussion, accents, uh, creating space, pauses, you really give the audience the audience the opportunity to digest what you're trying to say, mm-hmm. right? You, you, when you do that, you're creating periods, exclamation points, like you're making punctuation, commas in between movement. So it becomes less of a run-on sentence and more of like 
they can like digest what you're saying, what you're trying to, and as an artist, you should be saying something, even if saying something is, I just want to make you happy and yeah. enjoy the show. That's, you're still doing something. That's like art for art's sake. Like you're still creating something and you should still make it digestible for your audience. I really like the, the, the analogy of punctuation like all the pauses in the space there as punctuations to your dance. Cause I think like, if I was going to just pull a dancer off the street and be like, what would you describe in dance as the punctuation? They would actually say the accents, those hard mm. hits that happen in the music. Like this is, this is the exclamation point, And this is the, you know, the question mark and this is the period. But I actually think that that's not quite right. Unless that accent pauses with it. Right. right. Like, that is so much easier to end like a phrase of music on a question with a pause, you know, and it, uh, one of those pauses that kind of lasts for a minute. I'm sure Rosa has mm -hmm. a name for it, right? Uh, like I'm sure Rosa Noreen has a name <laughs> for that kind of pause, but like has the question mark, has the exclamation point, has those, mm -hmm. those commas and stuff. That's an excellent way to look at fitting this into your dance. And I, I'm super excited for people to take this workshop with you and kind of see how, how you tie this into Belody and what you're teaching and put it all together so that people can use it as a, a vehicle to practice these transitions, mm -hmm. this space and the musicality, um, because it's, it is a really excellent medium to do that in. No, it is. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to just having people because I think with the belly progression, like the best dancers in there are so confident, confident yes. in the sense that they don't have to do anything. Like what is that? Fifi Abdu just sometimes just stands and it just looks at people. <laughs> and it's just like, that's like a level of confidence that is just like, and belly progression does that. If you practice it enough, like you become so like comfortable in your movement that mm -hmm. you can easily translate that to other things. That's in your life, period. Yeah, <laughs> like, period. <laughs> Bringing it back. Um, so then for people who are listening, who want to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to find a progression today. I'm going to put one on. I'm going to dance a little bit to this style today. Mm -hmm. um, what is one thing you would, you would suggest that they do during their practice for this? What is one, like if, not all the things, because there's so many layers going on all the time, but mm -hmm. what is one thing you would suggest they do while they move through this practice? I would suggest doing it the way I learned how to do it, which I taped a square on my floor, small square, maybe get like, if you have tiles, get like four tiles, I don't know, but get like a little square and don't leave that square. Oh, that's going to be hard for people stay there there's no no traveling footwork no you know sachets none of that nothing just stay in that square and try to do as many as diverse movements you can with just your hips your arms your hands your chest but you have to stay in the square you have this to keep it internal this is something uh, i get asked this question a lot is what do i do if i don't have a lot of space to practice in Tape a square. <laughs> you tape a square and you practice melody progressions Jasenia's way and you you've yeah. got it. You don't need yeah. you don't need a lot of space. You're just you're in there. Yeah. And it's also a great way of like um uh, doing the the because there's a lot of times 
you have like a set of movement and people do the movement the one way. Yeah. Right. So there's many ways of doing like a hip circle. Like try to figure out how many ways you can do a hip circle. You know, how many, how many ways can you do a chest circle in a different way or your arms or chest or shoulders and figure out different ways to um, show that music without the obvious first thought. I always tell people, if you're listening to something and your first thought is to do this, then everyone else is thinking the exact same thing. So figure out something else for it. That's one of those, like the first time you do it, do the first thought. As you get better at the song, you know the song more. Okay, last time I did this. So this time when I practice it, Mm -hmm. let's break out of that and do something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. That's a really great way to look at it. Awesome, Jasenia, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here, sharing this with us. Uh, I'm very excited to see everybody's taped squares on the floor. Please tag us on Instagram. (laughs) We want to see, we want to see where you're dancing, your little, your little square. Um, Jasenia, where can people find out more from you, your website, Instagram, where can people follow you on the internet? So right now my website is down because I'm updating everything since I moved back to Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> it's still under construction, but uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jasenia Dance. And I'm also on Facebook at Jasenia Dance, same thing. And, or you can just friend me, Jasenia Lopez. If you want to be my friend, you can do it that way too. <laughs> right <now>. Everybody <laughs> wants to be your friend, Jasenia. You're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And that's J-E-S-E-N-I-A, everyone. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. If you're looking for her, there will be links there. Um, and once her website's back up, we'll link that in too, because we know those of you far in the future are going to want to check out what she has available because she is a fantastic dancer. So just send you my last question for you that I've been asking everybody. Mm-hmm. We're trying to bring a little bit of positivity here to the pandemic. What has been your what has been your most positive dance experience throughout the past, what, 18 months now that we've been in this? Most positive? Yeah. Um, the silver linings mm-hmm. of the pandemic in dance, if you will. I would have to say was the fact that I had opportunity to stop and take a break because I was so go, go, go. Um, I actually got injured in the beginning of the pandemic. I tore my ACL. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And I still don't have an ACL. So like the first six months of the pandemic or so, I was not really like dancing, but it forced me to change the way I dance. I actually had alter some things. No more Turkish drops, no more (laughs) any of that stuff happening. Um, So for me, I wouldn't, I I am happy, not happy that it happened, obviously, the pandemic, but I'm always took that opportunity to explore another way I can approach the dance. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's been a silver lining for my personal growth, for the community as a whole. I, I think that seeing people being able to dance online, I, I found so many more dancers at the pandemic because more people are active online yes. and like doing that. So I got to meet so many people that I haven't met in person yet, but I've met through the to the social media and like they're really awesome people and I, I don't think I would have had the, found them if it wasn't for the long break of the pandemic happening 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's definitely pushed a lot of people online. And I'm interested to kind of see what happens as we go back to in-person stuff, like the yeah. hybrid approach, because it's been like people being online and being able to connect in that way has been so beneficial for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, d- right. I want that part to stay. So I'm interested to see kind yeah. of how, how the two worlds merge as we Mm-hmm. as we come out of things. And I'm glad that you got a chance to, like, I'm not glad how we got here clearly, but I'm glad that you got a chance to slow down and, you know, work on mm-hmm. different parts of the dance and different ways of doing the things. And I think, right, you're talking about pausing and and moving through the music and doing that here with Belody, mm-hmm. right? Like you got your own life pause a little pause. bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. We're, we're tying it back together. Yeah. <laughs> So Jacenia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I am very excited for people to take your challenge during the 21 days and to see these squares on the ground. I, I also right. very much want to see these are my our Bellity squares. Let's go. Squares. Yes. <laughs> New hashtag. Hashtag Bellity squares. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening today. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. I adore Jasenia's approach to this topic, and I was serious about tagging us on Instagram. Let us see those Bellity squares if you do this exercise. You can get the links to follow Jasenia if you need them from today's show on the show notes page, thebellydancebundle.com slash 68. We covered a lot in this episode, from competitions, to taking feedback, to Bellity progressions, to pausing and transitioning between parts of the music. This is the beauty of our dance, I think. There are so many layers to it, so many different parts, and what you learn in one circles back into something else so that no matter what you're studying, you're improving your whole dance. It's why I say it doesn't actually matter what you're studying, especially if you know what you're working towards. You can take that thing from any workshop you're part of. This dance weaves itself together beautifully. It's why I love doing this podcast. You never know how a person's story comes together and what pieces have brought them to the dancer that they are today. I love being a part of yours, even if it's just a small one. Until tomorrow.